We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Many of us would not talk to each other if it weren't for this league. And the fact that we've taken it from a 14-team league and made it into three 14-team leagues, it's allowed us to basically 14 people at a time reintroduce into our lives, stay in touch with. Last year when we had our 10-year reunion, I saw guys that I've only seen once since deploying with them. Listening to Fantasyland, the podcast that covers everything you didn't know you wanted to know about fantasy sports. I'm your host, Peter Overzet, and in this episode, we're going to get to the core of the matter the reason that any of us care about fantasy sports. And that is the way that fantasy sports can bring us together. Maybe you use a fantasy league to stay in touch with high school friends, or maybe it's a fun way to stay connected to family members. But with apologies to the popularity of football, the NFL is not the reason that 60 million Americans are in fantasy leagues. We play in fantasy leagues because of the community they provide. Well, in this episode, we're going to hear about an extraordinary community, a group of war veterans from the 1st Battalion, 158th Field Artillery Regiment of the National Guard who formed a league while deployed in Iraq and have continued playing after returning home as a way to stay connected with each other. Their league is called the Oklahoma Iraqis League, or the OIL for short. And throughout this episode, you're going to hear some incredible stories about how the league started in 2006, the things they've experienced and endured together over the years, and how the league has since grown to three divisions and serves almost like a de facto alumni association for the battalion. To get things started, we first have to introduce you to the person at the center of it all, the commissioner, Justin Clyburn. We spent all of 2006 in Baghdad, Iraq, with the Oklahoma Army National Guard. 
and comes time to fall, uh, we'd been there about nine months, and things had gotten really monotonous, and people were ready to go home, and football in Oklahoma is a big deal, just as it is many places, and we were so starved for football, but also just to have a, a distraction. I know it sounds crazy, but things get really boring over there, and you talk about the same convoy briefing and the same intelligence reports every day. They get to be really monotonous, and somebody suggesting a fantasy football league, it was a welcomed idea, like, hey, you know, this is something else we can do, and somebody set it up, and and they came and asked if I'd be the commissioner because so-and-so fell through, and I reluctantly agreed to do it. You know, I didn't think I would like it, but I thought it would give me something to do until we got to go home. Every league has stories about an owner who's always hawking the waiver wire looking for the hot pickup. But those stories have a different flavor when you're half a world away in a war zone and accessing the internet isn't as simple as pulling up an app on your iPhone. I remember sprinting from the MWR tent where we were watching the Thanksgiving game. I sprinted to the internet cafe to pick up Tony Romo at, it was like, three in the morning where we were. And then my buddy Pyle the next day coming in and saying, this is ridiculous. I I went over to pick up Tony Romo at 4.30 in the morning. He was already gone. That type of cutthroat, you got to get in there and get him while you can. That kind of goes all the way to the beginning. Today, the Oil League has a dedicated website. Every team has professionally designed logos, and it's amazing for reasons we'll tell you about throughout the episode. But this league couldn't have had humbler beginnings. The first draft, we scheduled a live online draft, and I know that sounds crazy since we were in Baghdad, but, you know, this was 2006. Uh, it wasn't exactly World War II. There was a internet cafes on base, and then at some point they allowed some third-party contractor come in and charge about $75 a month to each soldier to have Wi-Fi in their barracks. And the Wi-Fi, I mean, it was about the speed of dial-up, if not worse. But it was great to have in your barracks. And so we signed up, and everybody signed in and got ready for the live online draft and hit refresh, refresh, refresh. And then eventually the results page popped up and said, you know, here's your auto-draft. Because there just wasn't enough bandwidth for all of us to get on and draft at the same time. So. That's how the first draft went, and I lucked out and got LaDainian Tomlinson at number three, but it was a pretty inauspicious start for something that is going on its 11th season. This was also back before there was live stat tracking. Some of it would be kind of like preemptively talking trash about your victory, just based on what you can tell on the games that you were able to, to see in the chow hall before you had to go to sleep. And then you wouldn't know until Tuesday morning that you were wrong. When I manage my fantasy teams, I worry about stuff like putting in my waiver claims before I can go to bed. Well, that seems incredibly trivial when you talk to guys like Lance Zerger. Zerger joined the league while he was on his third deployment. He deployed twice to Iraq and once to Afghanistan, and he knew he'd need help from his league mates to manage his team. That's the cool thing about it is um, everybody's pretty understanding. And uh, I told Justin, I said, hey, you know, we're actually moving from Kandahar 
to this place called Ocob, and I wasn't sure if we we're going to have internet connection when we got there. And I said, if I'm unable to update my team in a timely manner, will, will the league mind if somebody updates it for me? I don't know if they put it up to a vote or if Justin was just under the assumption that since everybody's pretty much veterans that they wouldn't care or whatever, but they said they would take care of my team while I was deployed, which I really appreciated that. Adam Duffy is one of Justin's closest friends, but also somehow Justin's main rival in the league. They seem like they're somewhere between best friends and frenemies with maybe a light dusting of stepbrothers. Well, Adam explained to us why something trivial like a fantasy league can also be really important. I was involved in one IED incident where nobody got hurt and everything was okay. And that was it. That was the extent of my action. I did not fire one round while I was downrange except for at an actual qualification range. So I had it pretty good. Other people in our unit did not have it so good. There was uh, one squad in particular. I feel like they were getting hit every day. They didn't really, but it just started to feel that way. So it's not just combat stress from actually engaging the enemy. It's being away from home. You need a distraction from that to make it. And so having good battle buddies, that's a good way. Writing home, staying in contact with your family, that's all good too. But sometimes those resources are limited depending on where you are. So to have some skin in the game into something as frivolous as NFL fantasy football, where there's nobody dying, and then there's the camaraderie that comes around being in a a league, camaraderie that even comes along with rivalry, that mutual hate that is also mutual respect. So it just was a very good distraction that way. One of the real characters we talked to for this episode is Adam Schuster, and to call him a character might be underselling it. Justin told us that when his wife first met Schuster, she delicately asked afterward if Schuster had suffered a traumatic brain injury. Justin had to explain to her that no, Schuster is just incredibly inappropriate. And don't worry, you'll hear it firsthand later in the episode. Schuster also has a story that illustrates why this league is so special and why the adversity they face makes it important to stay connected. While deployed in Iraq in 2009, Schuster was targeted by a sniper. Back in, uh, actually in 09, I got shot in the side of the face by a sniper. Kind of got through that, and it was a tough time. And actually, fantasy kind of got me back in touch with all those guys, and I was going through a really hard time. Before being transferred to Germany, the doctors in Ramadi gave Schuster long odds to live. I think we're in a lawn stool. I'm not for sure, so I wasn't really coherent very much, but... Until I could start breathing on my own, they wouldn't fly me out of Germany. Then after that, I went to Walter Reed. because I was only in Germany for about 24 to 48 hours. He said one of the hardest things about the whole experience was just trying to communicate with his platoon and friends and family. I just wanted everybody to know that I was okay because they had no idea. They took me out in the body bag to the helicopter in uh, Ramadi, and that's the only thing they knew. It was tough trying to get a hold of everybody and trying to get my family to get a hold of everybody. So here's Schuster having just suffered a life-threatening injury, and he's trying to get information out to family and friends. And yet things somehow become even more difficult because almost like a terrifying game of telephone, reports started to spread that he didn't even survive. From what I heard, Tulsa, Oklahoma newspaper reported that I was killed in action. And there's supposed to be a newspaper report saying that I had actually died. But there's a lot of different reports saying from anything I was 
shot in the face with a shotgun to shot in the head, shot in the neck. There's a lot of different reports coming out that no one actually knew. Schuster told me what a life-changing experience it was to be injured in combat and then deal with the aftermath. It's something he has to live with every day. It was like one of the most devastating days for sure because I lost a lot. And I lost a lot of years off my life. Talking to my family and stuff like that, it was, it was terrifying, to be honest. Especially being there with, without a lot of the guys from the first deployment. It was tough. Going through the hospital and stuff, being there with, without all the guys, it was really tough. And I know it was tough on them. It was really tough on them, especially me being gone. The ones that didn't go on the second deployment knew it was tough. And they wished they were there, but they couldn't be there for one reason or the other. But it, it, was, it was a long battle. But no matter how serious the subject, nothing is off limits for joking when you're with close friends. We asked Justin to record some audio from their annual draft weekend, and this is one exchange in which Schuster's ordeal came up. Who, who did you who, think? You, got your next you can't call me a bad soldier. I didn't get shot in Iraq. You're actually the worst soldier in this room. I got shot you didn't do your job. You didn't do your job. You got shot. No, what happened? I saw a bullet coming towards one of my guys, and I jumped out. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> and I think I was the best looking person out there. That sniper is looking through, he's like, Look at that good looking motherfucker. He might have shot me and saw me taking a piss. He said, This guy's got to go. Schuster said that camaraderie with the league has been therapeutic for him. Fancy actually brought me through a lot of that, like getting back together with them and seeing the problems they're having. And actually made me realize that I actually had problems and stuff like that. So it actually helped a lot. Schuster had the most abrupt ending to his time in Iraq, but lots of guys from the oil have faced their share of challenges since returning home. Zerger told us about what it's like going from being a soldier in Iraq back to being a civilian in the United States. You come home and the furniture might be rearranged. So nothing's ever the way you left it. But um, I think the hard part is once the new wears off, you know, after they're done hugging you and so glad you're home, you know, we get like a month of leave when we come home. So we don't have to go back to our jobs anywhere from 30 to 90 days. And so there's times where you're sitting at home and everybody goes to school, work or whatever. And you're just like, now what? My first tour really, to be honest, it was a kind of a cultural shock when I came home, you know, like the family goes to all these classes and they tell you to look out for all these signs and stuff and drinking or being over aggressive or whatever. So they're all on edge, you know, trying to see how we're reacting or how we actually are. And we're coming home and we're trying to fit our way back in at the same time, if that makes sense. So it's, it's a lot of mixed emotions and really it's a lot of, you just got to slow down. Like my wife, she's great. She runs a household great while I'm gone. And so when I come back, I always make sure like she's used to being the person in charge. So I just got to figure out my role and fit in to what's going to make my family's life to keep running smooth as possible without me interrupting it. Justin said the oil has made that hard transition just a little bit easier for him. During that season, the second season, once we were all back, is when I really realized how important it was. Because when we were actually deployed, although we were in more danger and we were all going outside the wire every day, we pretty much saw each other every day. And we got to have that camaraderie. And then when you come back and that's suddenly taken from you, it's kind of difficult to come back 
and the last year of your life every day has been life and death, and then you come back to your regular job, and you go back to school, and you don't have those people around you that, that understand. So this Fantasy Football League, it was a way to keep in touch with these guys, because a lot of people, once we got back, they got out of the military, and so now you're spread out across the state or in different states. And this is a way, even if it's just emailing back and forth or posting on the message board, you keep in contact with that guy. You know what he's doing with his life, and he knows that if you need him, he's got your contact info, and you two can always get together and have a beer. And, you know, I really can't stress enough how important that is and how I really don't think that we would have had that same camaraderie once we got back had it not been for this shared interest in a a fantasy football league. Zerger agrees that the league has helped to keep these friendships strong since returning home. And you know, Facebook, it kept us up to date with people, but really this league is what keeps me in touch with anybody I want to talk to. You know, we forget that when we come back home, we all have families and we all have separate lives to live. But this league is what keeps bringing us back together. For a number of years, the Oil was just a single 14-team league, but they eventually expanded the league as a way to deal with a tough time they were all going through. It's kind of crazy to think about now that it wasn't always as big as it is now, but in the end of 2013, uh, it was actually New Year's Eve. About 70 of us, unfortunately, had to go to the funeral of one of our brothers-in-arms, and it really... Uh, hit home that we're not keeping in touch with each other enough. We're not checking on each other enough. And although the oil had done a great job of keeping, you know, 14 of us connected, there were still a lot more of us out there. And so I thought this had done so well to further foster that camaraderie for some of us. So why couldn't it be used for others? And we expanded the next season to another 14 team what we called a conference. It's a 14-team league, 13-week schedule. Everybody plays everyone else. The playoffs run week 14 through 16, and then the champions of the two conferences would play each other in week 17 for a bigger trophy, a bigger prize. One of the new members who has since joined the expanded league is Aaron Gray. Gray told us he isn't even really into fantasy football, but he still loves the league. I guess a couple of years ago, uh, one of the guys that went with us, Kilman, passed away, and they all saw each other at the funeral and saying how we needed to get together for reasons other than death. Another new member who joined the league during the expansion was Jimmy Venable, who was the 158th Sergeant Major during their 2006 mission in Iraq. To hear the guys talk, Venable's job put him in a position where he was somewhere between their boss and a demanding coach. I was kind of oblivious to the league. I think I knew about it a little bit, but, you know, you hear about a lot of these leagues and stuff like that, and it was no surprise that they were doing it. I was definitely honored when they asked me because, like I said, I was uh, I was hard on them during that deployment. So, uh, you know, I was definitely honored when they asked me to join, and I was kind of apprehensive, you know, because they all called me Sergeant Major even in a civilian setting. They called me Sergeant Major, and it's, it's kind of odd for me to let them do that, but I do. But that's just kind of the respect that they show me, and I, and I appreciate it. But It was definitely an honor when Justin called me up and wanted me to play. Venable told me that his rank did make for an interesting dynamic with the guys. You know, I liked a lot of them, but just because of the rank structure, you can't really be friends with them. You just kind of get along and you have a lot of respect for what they do. 
and a lot of guys, you know, a lot of missions and a lot of hours and a lot of dedication. And, you know, that's the kind of stuff that she just naturally draws people together. And, and, you know, the band of brothers thing is, it's not just a cliche saying that, you know, it's truth. Zerger said he relishes Venable's presence in the league. I mean, we're glad that he wants to be a part of it. I think it says something good about him that he's able to come back and be a part of a league when he had to be so hard on us. And I also think that it says something good about our character to be able to invite a leader back that we might have thought was hard on us, which I didn't think was the case. But some people were able to put those feelings aside and say, you know, you're still part of this, so come on and and be with us in this league. Not only did Venable outrank all of the other members of the oil, he also has proven himself to be quite the fantasy player, winning back-to-back championships in 2014 and 2015. Talking with the members of the league, I even heard whispers about him now being the villain due to his success. I was actually a little taken aback by that. I was like, man, I'm the villain? What? I'm like, yeah, you know, I get it. You know, the new guy coming in, winning back-to-back championships, you know, being the starter major, I guess that has a little added to it also. But uh, I was a little shocked at that. We're going to take a quick break, which you really shouldn't miss because we want to tell you about a great charity. But when we return, we are going to hear what happens when the members of the oil rendezvous at a 6,000-square-foot cabin for a live draft. This is usually the part of the podcast where we ask you to support the show by visiting one of our sponsors. But we're going to do something a little different this time. Instead, we're asking you to consider making a donation to the Intrepid Fallen Heroes Fund. It's an amazing veterans charity that receives A ratings from CharityWatch.org. The Fallen Heroes Fund helps military families who have lost loved ones. They build rehab centers for soldiers who've undergone amputation or suffered traumatic brain injuries, and they do a lot of other important work. You can visit FallenHeroesFund.org and make your donation using a credit card or PayPal. The Fantasyland Podcast is also making a donation as part of this episode, so we hope you can join us go to FallenHeroesFund.org and click on the donate button. The most fun aspect of any fantasy season is the draft, and it is no different for the oil. Like so many other things involving the league, the oil draft has evolved over the years. In 2007, it was just an online draft. 2008 was just an online draft. 2009 was an online draft, but I had a few guys over at my house doing it with me. 2010, we had it at Buffalo Wild Wings, and that was the first one that we were all there together uh, doing a live draft. Every year since then, we've tried to have it somewhere. Two years ago, we had it at a popular bar and grill in Bricktown, Oklahoma City. Last season, we had a big 10-year reunion in Oklahoma City, and then we got on a chartered bus and went down to AT&T Stadium and drafted at the Cowboys Stadium. This year, we're going to do a little more low-key, but we've got a massive cabin uh, on a private lake rented out and have a a Labor Day weekend of everybody out in the middle of nowhere, kind of a retreat, and uh, it should be a great time to catch up with your buddies, tell old war stories, drink beer, and, and draft your football team. At the top of this episode, we told you that this is an incredible fantasy football league. As if having their draft at a private cabin wasn't cool enough, this league also somehow has its own podcast. Here's Justin on that podcast, recounting some of the highlights from the draft weekend. It was ridiculous how much fun we had. 
I'm surprised nobody got killed. <laughs> I think the sheer remoteness of the place prevented anybody from getting arrested. It was by far the, the, the best draft we ever had, the best weekend we could have had together. It was ridiculous. Somebody got caught on fire. Yeah. Somebody flipped an ATV, uh, shot flaming clay pigeons over the lake at night, tried to wake people up by firing AR-15s next to their head. Don't worry, I'm sure Justin is just joking when he says that an AR-15 was being fired. I think that was a little close. Okay then, I guess he wasn't joking. I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that the oil live draft was slightly different than your drafts this season. And one thing about live drafts is they allow for lots of unintentional comedy when it comes to trying to pronounce the names of NFL players. The oil guys are no different. Who's up? Man, no, I'm up. Who you want? I want, uh, I want, uh, oh man. Come on, let's go. Let's go, uh, Laquel. Treadwell. Laquan? Is it Laquan? Laquan. Y'all made fun of me because I said Deshaun. Y'all say Deshaun. That's how you said it. Deshaun. Deshaun Jackson. The oil is incredibly unique in so many ways. But in some ways, this league is just like every other fantasy league out there. It's just a group of people who like to crack a few beers and bust on each other for their picks. Somebody give me a beer, man. Hey, give me a beer. Is that full? I got one. Man, I want to. Zach, come on, man. Hurry up. Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. You're a homer. Homer. Wow. <laughs> fucking Yeah, I'm a homer. I know in my fantasy leagues, especially the ones I've been in with friends for a long time, there's a level of familiarity that allows everyone to make fun of each other. But with the oil, not only do these guys have a shared history with fantasy, they literally went to war together. You can tell that those shared experiences have forged incredible bonds between them, which is the reason they can so casually ridicule each other about the way they talk, or fire AR-15s as a prank to wake people up, or even casually make fun of the fact that Schuster was almost fatally shot in Iraq. To an outsider, those things might sound mean, but for the members of the oil, it's a safe space for that kind of playful camaraderie. It is comforting more than anything else. I talked with Aaron Gray right after the draft, and he wished the weekend had never ended. To be honest with you, I'm not really too big into football, but uh, getting to see all these goofy assholes, is, it's kind of nice. I'm a little depressed right now, to be honest with you. <laughs> it's kind of like uh, when I drop my kid off after our weekends together, I'm a little depressed when I drive back. Schuster shared similar feelings. You know what? Just getting together with the guys is one of the best things that kind of keeps you down to earth. Being around all the guys and seeing them for the first time in a long time, some of them, it's probably one of the best things that's ever happened. Just being around each other every year. It actually makes you feel sane again. It makes you actually feel like a normal person again. Because you go through day-to-day, like with the stuff I've had to deal with, honestly, it's almost a nightmare every day. And then when you get around those guys, you almost feel normal it, it, it's the most incredible feeling you, I think I've felt since everything. But being around those guys, it's like nothing ever happened. One of the coolest aspects of the Oil League may be their rivalry week. Each team in the league has a dedicated rival, and those rivals face off in the last week of the regular season every year. 
Hearing about a fantasy league with a rivalry week almost makes you immediately wish your league had one. It's not just who you're playing, it's the timing of everything. And I hate losing to Justin. I mean, he's my best friend, but I think if you just set fantasy football aside for a second, I don't even like to lose to him in Pictionary, let alone fantasy football when all the chips are on the table. That's Adam Duffy again, discussing his rivalry with his best friend. When he joined the league in 2007, there was never any question Justin would be his rival. I think I got involved right in the second season, and Justin and I had a special connection because we didn't just serve in the same National Guard unit. Our civilian job at UPS, we both worked together there, and our wives are best friends prior to our marriages. So we've been connected pretty well since day one. So I was his first choice. You know, there was an opening, and he said, Hey, it's all these guys we went to war with. You got to get involved. And by then, you know how it goes. You play fantasy football one time and you're hooked. So when he said there was an opening, I was like, yep, sign me up. And the rest is history, I guess. So now uh, I've got someone that not only did I go to war with, but we're in the same fantasy football league. And for about five minutes every morning, I got to talk to him about life adjustment, rumors about another deployment and football. And it was great. And uh, Duffy is my main rival. Duffy said that the fantasy football rivalries came naturally to the guys who were in the unit together. There were guys in our unit who, when it was time to work, they could function together just fine. And when the work was done, that switch got flipped and they absolutely hated each other. And they made the first perfect rivalries. The ones that evolved over time were more like Justin and me where before there was this fantasy football league, we still had our military career in common. We had our civilian job in common. We both went to school, me on and off. Justin did a much better job of pursuing that and actually finishing than I did, but we just crossed paths a lot. So sometimes there's nobody you want to beat more than one of your best friends. One time Justin knocked Duffy out of the playoffs and couldn't help but rub it in. I got a card in the mail. And you could tell it was a card because it came in that nice envelope with the little hallmark where the thing flaps over and sticks. Leslie brought it in from the mailbox and she said, hey, you got something from Justin. I said, really? Well, here, let me see it. And I opened it up and it was a sympathy card. And he basically sent me a sympathy card for my loss. Not like I lost a person, of course, but because I lost the game. And I bet that thing sat on my table for, I'm serious, if not on the table, definitely in the kitchen where I could see it for seven months. So I could stew on that and figure out what I was going to do to make sure I did not lose to him next season. At one point during the oil live draft, Justin paused the draft because Duffy hadn't gotten his pick submitted in time. You can imagine how well that went over with everyone else. Oh, I'm going to pause it for my best friend. He wanted to deposit it for his buddy, didn't he? He's like, oh, we'll pause it for Duffy. Because he wanted to make sure Duffy got a good pick. Because if he don't win, Duffy, that's who he wants to win. They claim to be rivals, but they're fucking... Justin and Duffy aren't the only ones with a strong rivalry. Schuster's love of trash talk has earned him a few different rivals over the years. Beating Zerger is probably one of the top ones and talking a lot of crap to him. He's a dumbass. He, he can't play fantasy football for the life of me. But uh, I'm probably the biggest trash talker out of all of us, so I tend to have more rivals than anything. 
We've mentioned the rivalries in the organization of the live drafts, but we probably haven't given justice to how much Justin Clyburn does for this league as the commissioner. Once I had a logo, I wanted everybody to have a logo. And once we had a website, I felt like we should have a trophy. And once we got that done, it just seemed like everything should be as good as it possibly can be. I mean, I was busy. I was, I was working multiple jobs and going to school. But this is something you can do on your laptop, sitting on the couch, watching TV. You know, it didn't hurt anybody. So it's been a, a fun hobby to do. You really have to visit the league's website to comprehend how much work he has poured into this league. In 2014, he started an oral history project where he compiled an ebook for each season of the Oils history. We'll be sure to post a link to the website in the books in the show notes, and I do really hope you check it out. The breadth of work he's done for the league is honestly mind-blowing. It's something the members of the league greatly appreciate, especially since they have no idea how he has time for it. Is he really employed? Like, does he really have a job? Who has time for all that? He's a lawyer. So the fact that he goes home and commits that kind of time to these projects that we all benefit from, that his wife allows it, uh, that's pretty special too. Just amazed the the depth that he's gone to do this. I mean, the jerseys, the helmets, the books. I mean, it's crazy what he does. And it means a lot to the guys. I know I couldn't do it with my life and I know he's a busy guy too I just it just amazes me how much he put into it and he's got you know a family and he's you know he's a lawyer and he's he's a busy guy so I it, the amount of dedication he puts into this is just a testament to his love of his fellow soldier and fantasy football rarely could you put three leagues together that had one guy willing to commish coordinate the history and document it all find a way to get it all published in books hardback if you got the coin and get us trips to draft at Jerry World and so if you want to put commissioners up against each other league to league I'd put Justin up against anybody you know and that's saying a lot because that's my rival and I want him to lose at most other things in life it's amazing like no joke like if it wasn't for fantasy and like being around those guys and if it wasn't for Clyburn doing this I'd be way worse off than what uh, I originally would be he's a hard worker He's a terrible fantasy player, but he's a hard worker. The guys, I'd say most of them have made it known that they appreciate it. Others haven't, but I know they do. They just they're not going to give me the satisfaction. No, we're never we're not going to tell we're never going to tell him how much we appreciate it. But that can't happen. Next time on Fantasyland, an episode all about high-stakes drafting. There are a lot of guys who can play. It's become like poker. You go play in a poker tournament now, and there are a 1,000 players who enter. There are probably 850 of those guys who can win the poker tournament. They, they have reached a skill level, and I think fantasy football has reached that level. There are not a lot of freebies in this game anymore, especially the guys who are flying out here and girls who are flying out here. Thank you for listening to Fantasyland, the podcast that covers everything you didn't know you wanted to know about fantasy sports. Special thanks to all of the members of The Oil for sharing their story with us, and especially our great guests in this episode, Justin Clyburn, Adam Schuster, Adam Duffy, Lance Zerger, Jimmy Venable, and Aaron Gray. 
If you'd like to learn more about the oil, you can visit their website, which is www.okiraqi.org, which has a wealth of information about the league, including individual team pages for all of the league members, as well as links to the oral histories Justin has put together. I highly recommend checking it out. All proceeds from this episode are being donated to the Intrepid Fallen Heroes Fund, which has provided nearly $200 million in support for the families of military personnel lost in service to our nation and for severely wounded military personnel and veterans. You can donate to the fund at fallenheroesfund.org slash donate. We'll also post it in the show notes and at rotoviz.com slash fantasyland. Our music in this episode is by Leo Kaliski. Check out the show notes for links to Leo's website where you can hear more of his great work. As always, if you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review Fantasyland on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. If you've missed any of our previous episodes, you can find all of those on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you'd like to contact us, we are always interested in feedback and would love to hear any good fantasy stories you may have. You can reach us via email at fantasylandpod at gmail.com or shoot us a message on Twitter also at Fantasyland Pod. Our producers are Fantasy Douche, Matthew Friedman, and Patrick Corain. Our production assistants are Alan Jackman and Ant Kaladiud. And I'm your host, Peter Overzet. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.